Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, welcome King's Church. So glad you have joined us wherever you are today. If you're in Halifax, welcome. If you're in Charlottetown, welcome. If you're on the west side of St. John or you're at the Valley location at one of our gatherings, or maybe you're at one of our many home churches or watch parties, or maybe you're watching by yourself, wherever you are, whenever you are, with whoever you are, Hey, we are glad you have joined us today. And I want to just say it's a big deal that you're here and you've chosen to to enter in and get a word. I just believe that God will bless you for it. Your diligence and your devotion, I believe, is just going to pay off. And here's my simple hope today is that you leave this time encouraged. As we study God's word, I believe it's going to just infuse some real hope into you today. And that's my simple, simple task is to just fill us with hope as we look at Revelation chapter 7. I'll give you my title. My title today is A Hopeful Transmission. A Hopeful Transmission. Uh, If I had a backup title, I'd call this Signed, Sealed, and Delivered. I'm not going to sing Stevie Wonder, but you get the point. The hopeful transmission. I want to start out with like an exercise. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that today, maybe a couple hours from now, you're about doing your business. Maybe you're, you're walking the dog or you're driving somewhere. You're with your family and your phone rings. And your phone rings, you look down, it says no caller ID. So you just ignore it because you don't pick those up. Do we pick those up? No, never. You just know it's going to be someone telling you that you have a virus on your, on your PC and you don't even own a PC, you own a Mac. Or they're going to tell you that they go to CRA, but they can't actually speak good English. And so you know that they're not actually, anyway, we don't answer no caller IDs, do we? So you, you let it go, you let it ring and it goes to your voicemail. And then your phone vibrates one more time and it says you have one unheard message. And so curiosity gets the best of you. You pick up your phone, you listen to your, your, your unheard message and it begins and you start to hear the audio and you begin to hear the sound of something you've never actually heard before. It's, it's beautiful. It's kind of magnetic. It, there's the sound of familiarity and yet freshness. There's the sound of laughter and vitality. There's unity and energy and just this incredible sort of atmospheric sound in the background. And then a voice starts to speak. And the crazy thing is it's your voice and your voice starts to speak to you to your surprise and it gives you a message from the future. Now stay with me. Some of you are checking out already. Just imagine for a minute and it's your voice and, and, it, and it begins to speak and you're talking to yourself and it says, hey, I, look, I, I know this might be strange. I know this might feel weird, but I just want you, I want you to know it's me. I mean, it's you, it's, it's me. And then you start to say to yourself or you hear the message from yourself in the future, I need you to know something. I know things are crazy right now. I know the world seems like it's on fire. It's like a giant bee's nest of of crazy. There's pandemics and politics and all the stuff going on. And then I know the year that you've had. I know the things that you've gone through. I know the difficulties you're going through. And I know you can't see the end from the beginning. And it just feels all too much. But I need you to hear me. I have seen the future. I have seen your future. And if you just hang on to Jesus, you need to know this. I can't tell you how it's all going to play out. You just need to know that in the end, it's all going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be more than okay. And I wish I could tell you, I wish you could see what I see, but you need to know it's all going to be okay. And then the message ends. What would a message like that, if you got that message today, how would that affect you? What would that do to your mindset, 
What would that do to your values? What would that do to the things that you care about? Or how you go about not just this day, but every day? If you got a message like that, how would that affect you? That is precisely a small glimpse of the purpose of the message of the book of Revelation. It's this message sent to the church. Originally the church in the first century, but it has been a message, an interruption, a hopeful transmission that has been sent to the church throughout the ages. And it is a glimpse of the hope that we have. It is this good news, hope-filled transmission from eternity. And today, very specifically, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 7. We're going to study that together for a few minutes. And you're going to get a glimpse of how things end up. And it's so important that you do because it comes right in the middle of the Great Tribulation. And it's almost as though God, through his messenger John, wants to just not let us lose sight of what we stand again in the waves and the tosses and the throws of the difficulties of the tribulation. And that's where we get today in our study in Revelation. For those of you who are just joining us, we have been studying this book, this book that invites us quite simply to look, to see, to see what we hadn't seen before. In fact, it has this premise surrounding it. And that is this, that there is more going on than meets the eye and that things in your life are not simply as they seem, but there's things going on beyond the veil of our five senses. And so the book of Revelation is given to us to help us see what we cannot see, specifically things of the Spirit and things of eternity and the things of God. And it does that through a bunch of images called apocalyptic images, images that are meant to communicate a deeper truth to give us a perspective that we did not have. And we've been studying this book week in, week out, and we found some major, major themes that are most important. We found out that there is a lamb on the throne. His name is Jesus, that God is all-powerful and all-knowing and that he is good. He has shown himself to us. He has presented himself to us as a benevolent, grace-filled, merciful savior, a, a lamb who laid his life down on our behalf. We've seen that. We've seen the promise that he will come again. And we've read ahead to the end of the book and that he will establish heaven on earth. And it is our great hope that we're gonna get another glimpse of today. But in the midst of that, Revelation, the book also shows us this great tribulation that unfolds and that we have to see this sort of process. And we we saw this picture where the lamb holds a scroll with seven seals and the scroll represents God's plan unfolding in history, God's architectural designs for creation. And that the lamb takes the scroll and he begins to tear off or break the seals. The very things, the evil powers that were holding back God's plan can no longer hold the power of the lamb. And we've been seeing him open the the seals, break the seals one by one. And so far it's been quite gnarly. Because in order for God to bring his kingdom, the counter kingdoms and the the dark kingdoms and sin and Satan begins to flare up. And we see this thing unfold known as the great tribulation. And that's right where we left off. We left after the sixth seal was broken and and it it left with a, a difficult question. It got so bad as we saw the seals broken. There's this kind of climactic increase of difficulty on the earth in this tribulation to the point at which it makes everyone who's left ask the question, who can withstand? And that's where chapter six ends, asking the question, who can stand? Who can make it through such difficulty? It is a question that all of us have asked probably in our lives. I can't go any further. I can't take another day. I can't take another minute of this. Who can withstand it? It asks this question and just at the moment where we begin to think the seventh seal is going to be broken and all the crazy is going to come flying out, we get a break. 
an interlude. This hopeful transmission breaks in just in time and it is a welcome sight. Before we get to the seventh seal, which opens the seven bowls and the seven horns and the crazy final judgments on the earth, we get a glimpse. The people of God get a glimpse of the hope that we have and it's sent to us just in time to give us a counterbalance to propel us through the difficulties that we go through. Let's read Revelation chapter seven. And I just pray even as I read it, it begins to bless you and then we'll break it down a little bit more. It tells us in Revelation chapter seven, John, he he, he relays his vision of what he sees. It's, It's a message from beyond. If you could see what I see right now, here's what John saw. He says, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or the sea or on any tree. And I saw another angel, another angel, a heavenly angel this time, coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who have been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until, don't let anything else happen until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel, from the tribe of Judah, 12,000, from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000, Gad, 12,000, Asher, 12,000, Naphtali, 12,000, Manasseh, 12,000, Simeon, another 12,000, the tribe of Levi gets 12,000, Issachar, 12,000, Zebulun, 12,000, Joseph, 12,000, and from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. And then after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down and they worshiped before the throne saying, Amen, praise and glory, wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. And then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered him, well, you know the answer to that. You know, sir, I said. These are they, he said, who have come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. John gives this vision. He sends it to us. And he says, look, first century church, I I know you're going through difficulty. I know you're under the thumb of Caesar. I know there's persecution and I know there's hardship and trials and tribulations. I know you're actually in tribulation right now, notwithstanding the tribulation that is yet to come that you don't even know about. Even the tribulation that you're in right now, I need you to know something. It's all going to be okay. Your hope is secure. 
It's like he speaks to the first century church and he speaks to us and the message he gives us is a message of hope in the tough times and in the difficulty. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But if you could see what I see, if you knew how this was going to end up, you would not lose heart. This message comes at just the right time in the book of Revelation. And I wonder today if it's at just the right time for so many of you who are going through hardship and tribulation of your own. And the message is this, from heaven, through John, to the church, you need to hear it to believers everywhere going through any kind of trouble, trial or tribulation or heartache. Do not give up. Do not lose hope. Do not lose heart. Do not be afraid. Don't compromise. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't be confused. Don't be dismayed. It's all going to be okay. Okay, those who have washed themselves in the blood of the Lamb, those who have put their faith in Jesus, it's all going to be not just okay, more than okay. You will get through this. He will bring you through and it will all be worth it in the end. If you could see what I see, John says, if you could see it, you know what, in 2020, if you could see it, he says, I know you got pandemics. I know you got a political circus going on. I know there's global unrest. I know there's nuclear threat. I know there's economic meltdowns and fluctuations. And, and I know the speci specifics of your life. I know that you have family issues going on and marriage issues going on and health issues going on and mental issues going on and relationship issues going on and financial issues going on. But if you could see what I see in the end, none of those hardships could rob your hope. And none of those hardships could rob your joy. If you could see, it's all going to be so good that there's so much more ahead of you than you are currently going through. There is so much better yet to come than the hardships you are enduring right now. This is temporary and the eternity that you have because of Jesus far outweighs it. How would you act? How would you operate today if you got that message? This is the message. I believe it gives us instant power, doesn't it? A hope has a, an instant life-giving power to it, doesn't it? When, when hope happens, if, if we get hope, there's this kind of existential power that happens when we actually have hope. Hope gives us power for life. And in fact, the opposite is true. When we lose hope, that's the beginning of the end for us. It, it tells us in the scripture that, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. We need hope and hope gives us real power. And, and I was thinking about it like this. We actually have the power to endure when we know our hope is secure. Now I made that rhyme just for you, but you need to know it's true. We have power, the power to endure when we know our hope is secure. There is nothing as powerful as real, living, true hope. And I'm, I'm not just talking about cheap, you know, well wishes, hoping things just work out. I mean hope that's grounded in something real. Your hope is only as good as that which it is in. And, and this is why, why the Apostle Peter, he talked about the fact that we have a living hope that has the power to propel us through all hardship. Some of you are reading in the King's Church reading plan right now, First Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into, say it in the chat, say it in your home church, say it at the valley, say it at Halifax. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, 
spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded. You're sealed. You're protected by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time in the last day. In all this, in all of this, you greatly, say it, greatly rejoice Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds. Hope gives us power. When we place our hope in Jesus, we've placed our hope in that which can never perish or spoil or fade. We have placed our hope in the fact that he's made us secure. He's protecting us and shielding us. And he's powering us through these trials and difficulties in this life. I just wanted to encourage you today with this. I wanted to, I wanted to just get a glimpse that if you could just envision your inheritance. I believe it has the power to actually make those burdens feel a little bit lighter, make those terrors feel a little, more, a little less terrible and, and cause you to kind of press through and push through these trials and tribulations. When you know your hope is secure, there is power to endure. And if you could see how glorious the hope that you have is in Jesus, I believe it would change everything about how you think, what you worry about, what you do, what you spend your time on, how you, how you live your whole life if you have the right hope. I, I, the other day I was having uh, breakfast or lunch brunch with, with Pastor Adam, our West Campus lead pastor. And we were talking about this and he, he made the great observation. He said, yeah, it's incredible how when in life we can really just start to focus right here on the difficulties that are right in front of us. And then we, we take that and we multiply that into the future. And he said, you know, we, when we think about the future, we generally think Terminator, don't we? And what he meant by that, for those of you who haven't seen the Terminator, is like the, the, the vision of the future is this kind of giant warscape, this dystopia where robots and artificial intelligence is dooming humanity. And we think doom in the future, don't we? We think gloom. We think walking dead. We, we see zombies in the future. And, and what Revelation is trying to do, what Revelation 7 is trying to do is actually to get you to see beyond the tribulation. And it's incredible with the book of Revelation how we've turned that into Terminator 2. Not the Terminator 2, but Terminator as well. We, we've looked at it and we've seen tribulation and we multiply it and we think, well, this is the end. But in actuality, the book of Revelation gives hope to us. John gave it to us. God gave it to us so that we would have grace and peace. Now, some of you are struggling to see it. And I want just for a couple minutes, I'm going, to be done, I'm going to be done in a minute. I'm going to pray. But I just wanted to encourage you with this vision that John gives us. Let's break it down a little more specifically and see what he wants us to see. Like if we could just see what he sees, if we could unpack this vision. And there's a couple things that stand out. And the first is this. Let's look, go back and look at the text. It said early on, it said that, that this moment happens where tribulation is unfolding and there's this commandment from a heavenly angel that says, don't harm the trees or don't let this happen anymore until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. So we're gonna, we're gonna seal or set apart the people of God. That's so important. Let's look at another text. Later on in verse 12 and 13, it says, then one of the elders asked me, rhetorical question, right? You never... God never asks you a question to gather information. He asks you questions to give information. And he says, who are these in white robes? Who are these? And I answered, I don't know, you know. And then he gives the answer. He says, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. 
They have been washed. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Now, what is this picture? Now, for some of you, this is weird terminology, but if you connect it to the rest of the scripture, you'll know that it's speaking about something that we've seen before. What is this idea of being sealed? What's this talk about the tribes of Israel? What's this talk about being washed in, in, in lamb's blood? What does that imagery tell us? Well, if, if you read the Old Testament, you'd know in the book of Exodus, God actually freed the people of Israel by bringing tribulation upon Egypt. Egypt were, were enslaving the people of God and God to liberate them actually inflicts plagues, increasing plagues on the people of Egypt, specifically Pharaoh, in order that he would let it go, that he would break that grip that, that Pharaoh had on the people of God. And Pharaoh would not let go to the point where at the, the final plague, God sends a death angel through Egypt and he gives the instruction to everybody that if you, don't, if you want to be set apart from this, exempt from this, protected from this, put the blood of a lamb on the doorpost of your home and the, the death angel will pass over and will not touch you. You will not be harmed. And that's the story of the Passover. That's why Jews to this day celebrate Passover. The day that through lamb's blood, God passed over them and exempted and protected them from the death that hit everything and everyone else. And so it brings up and conjures up this image of people being passed over or protected from death through lamb's blood. Now, what's this talking about for us? It's talking about how we, when we put our faith in Jesus in the same way, have applied the blood to our lives and that signifies to all the powers of hell and death that you cannot touch them. They are untouchable. They're protected. They are marked with the seal of God. They are set apart. They are designated. They are consecrated. They are protected. They are approved. They're anointed. They're appointed. They're covered. And this is the picture it gives us. The book of Revelation, first and foremost, should, Revelation 7 wants you to know something that you, it wants you to see yourself as someone who is sealed. That no matter what you go through, here's the, here's the big idea of being sealed, that those who belong to the Lamb are sealed and delivered through the great tribulation. These are they that came out of the great tribulation. In other words, nothing that happens in the book of Revelation or for those of you in your life and the tribulation that you're going through right now, nothing that will happen to you, nothing that you go through can take you out of the grip of the seal of the lamb. I think it's interesting, just as the seals of the universe are being broken under the power and plan of the lamb, he is putting new seals that cannot be broken on his people. Hallelujah. That is an amazing, amazing thought that you have been sealed, bought with a price, marked by the blood of God, and no sin, no Satan, no struggle, no trials, no mistakes, no failures, no earthquakes, no disease, no pandemic, nothing can break that seal. You have been covered, set apart. And here's the best news about it. You weren't covered in your own works. You're covered in the blood of Jesus, something you did not earn. You did not deserve. You do not deserve. I do not deserve, but he gave it to us anyway. And there is nothing as powerful as the blood of Jesus. We can be confident that in the end, we will stand forevermore, that no evil can overtake you. If you belong to Jesus, 
Jesus. No evil can overtake you. Satan cannot overtake, overtake you. You belong to him. The, the, the angel of death cannot touch you. He must pass over you because you have the seal of the lamb upon you. How amazing is that? Like, how would you live your life right now if you knew you didn't have to fear death? Like what business do we, the sealed, have to do being afraid of the coronavirus? We have no business being afraid of the coronavirus. Now I'm not saying, hey, go out there and start, you know, licking, you know, rail, hand railings and coughing on people and not wearing, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, y'all, we should have no anxiety. I'm not afraid of no virus. I'm not afraid of sickness. I'm not afraid of death because I know I'm sealed. And that, that the seal is more powerful than death itself. It's incredible. This is kind of what the Apostle Paul was talking about when we put on the armor of God. He said, put on the helmet of salvation. What's the helmet of salvation? It's the mindset that tells you that I'm protected. I'm sealed. I'm covered. That no hardship can overtake me. It doesn't mean I'm not going to go through it. It just means it cannot overcome me. That it's like when Jesus said, hey, in this world you will have troubles, but fear not. I've overcome the world. And that I've overcome death and I'm going to share that resurrection power with you. There's nothing that can separate you from my love. You're good. I'm covered. That's what the helmet of salvation is. It's, it's, it's having a life, like having extra lives almost. Like any, any video game, any old school video game players. Like I, I grew up on Nintendo, y'all. Like Nintendo, Entertainment System. And Mario, Mario 1. Does anybody remember in like level 1, you could get 99 lives if you jumped on the, on the little turtle over and over again. You get 99 lives, which is like having infinite life. And what would happen is if you had 99 extra lives, you weren't worried about taking risks, were you? You weren't worried about taking this risk or that risk in the game. The same is true in your life. Did you know you have infinite life? You have infinite life through the blood of the lamb. You don't need to be afraid. That's, that's one thing you need to know. If you could just see what I see, I see you alive forevermore. Living forever and ever and ever. Death cannot hold you down. So live like it. What a hopeful transmission. We know that we are sealed by the blood of the lamb. How do you know you're going to go to heaven? By the blood. How do you know you're going to live forever? By the blood. How do you know you've been forgiven? By the blood. How do you know that you're sealed? By the blood of the lamb. What an incredible, hopeful message. You've been saved, forgiven, restored, set free, set apart, set aside for good deeds, secure and protected, anointed in the blood of the lamb. That's incredible, incredible news. We are the sealed. What's another thing? Really quick. Here's another. Let's, let's jump at this. Verse 9. It says, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing. So they came through it. You see that? Standing before the throne and before the lamb. And they're wearing white robes. Now, what's this picture of? What's this picture? We saw the tribe of Benjamin and all the tribes of Israel and then a great multitude from every nation, not just the people of Israel, every single nation. And we get this picture. And I wish I had more time to unpack this, but we don't today. But you need to know this. It gives us a picture of Israel, but it's not really Israel because it's a new Israel. It's an image of 12 times 12,000 is this kind of infinite number in, in, in biblical terms of people of God. And it actually, there's a couple interesting things if we have more time to study. It actually has a couple missing. The tribe of Dan is missing. And it has the tribe of Manasseh, which isn't one of the official 12 tribes of Israel. And it gives us this picture that there is a new Israel, a redeemed and restored Israel in, in the forever picture of the people of the Lamb. But then it goes even wider. And it shows us that this great multitude that no one could count from every nation. So Canadians, Americans, 
Africans, Europeans, Australians, you know, every single tribe, people, language, family, nation standing before the throne. And, and this is an important thing. And I thought this would encourage some of you. You need, you need to see this extra piece of the hopeful transmission. You need to see the assembled. See the assembled. That we are part of something bigger than ourselves. That there is a heavenly reunion that we get to be part of. A heavenly community that we get to be part of. Here's the big idea that those who belong to the Lamb are united and reunited in unimaginable, vital, and diverse community. Now that's a whole message unto itself. Maybe we'll unpack that in the future. But here's the hopeful transmission. You and I have a family reunion ahead of us. Not just to be reunited with loved ones that we've lost, that they themselves washed themselves in the blood of the Lamb, but, but reunited with brothers from other mothers and sisters from different misters and people from all over the world who we share this one Jesus DNA with. And it's this incredible picture of this community, this vital community. We get to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We have a home in heaven, a diverse home, a unified home where think about this, like division is not in your future. Tribalism is not in your future. Isolation and loneliness is not in your future. There are some of you watching right now, you've hardly been out of your house since March. I want you to know it feels like a long time, but this time is temporary. Isolation is not your destination. Your destiny is community. Your destiny is family. Your destiny is a mass assembly. And y'all, let me just say a note for you who are missing like the big church. I am missing seeing hundreds and hundreds of people at one time. I'm missing it. I'm missing the power of the large gathering. You need to know this is temporary, y'all. I'm thankful for home churches. I'm thankful for the small groups that are gathered at physical locations. But this is nothing compared to what's coming. The big gathering is here to stay. In fact, we saw a great multitude that no one can count. That's the multitude that we're part of. It's going to be incredible. This is incredible news. See yourself as part of something. See yourself united with other people in the future. If you could see what John saw, you would be so encouraged to know, you know what? I don't have to be lonely forever. You know, some of you who are widows or widowers, you're missing your loved one. It's not going to be forever. It's not going to be forever. There's going to be a day, a, a reunion. There's going to be a reunion, a family reunion, a, a national reunion, a multinational, multi-ethnic reunion. It's going to be incredible. A couple more and then, and then I'll pray. Here's another, another observation. It says in, uh, in verse 15, it talks about how we, we are those who came out, we, we washed our robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Verse 15, therefore they are before the throne of God, before the very throne of God we get to be, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. Now this, this is actually an answer to David's, David, King David's prayer. Remember the prayer? King David, the, one of the most powerful, talented I mean, talk about worldly glory. One of the most glorious human beings who has ever lived. Songwriter and warrior. How does somebody get to be like a, a fighting champion and a poet? He's both. Some people just, this guy's just had all the tools. But he figured out early on or at some point in his life that all the glory of the world is just cheap in comparison to knowing God and being in his presence. That's why he said one day, he said, look, one thing I ask and this I seek, Psalm 37, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that I'll serve in his temple, gaze upon his beauty, that the glory that comes from, from God is the glory that I was made for. And this is a picture, y'all. This is our inheritance. 
that what we have coming for us is ever-increasing eternal glory. Glory that absolutely transcends us and transfixes us and transforms us. The Bible says that we, as we behold his glory, are transformed into glory, ever-increasing glory. I was thinking about, uh, here's the, here's the, the transmission, here it is. You need to see, if you could see what John saw, you'd see yourself glorified. And now that for some of you, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but I'll tell you that's, that your heart longs for this. Your heart longs for it. Here's the big idea. Those who belong to the Lamb are perfected and glorified by the Lamb through and in His presence forever and ever. We long for this in our heart of hearts. Why do you think you chase Facebook likes? Because you were made for glory. Why, when you take a selfie and you put it online, you take six of them and you get just the right one? Why? Because you were made for glory. You were made for beauty. You were made for splendor. And deep down, you know it. But here's the the subtle deception that we all fall for. We think that the glory we long for is on this world. But if we would just listen to the Davids or to the Solomons who say, you know what? It's all vanity. I've had everything and it's nothing. It's the glory of God that we were made for. And it's the glory of God that we are destined for. It's absolutely incredible to think about how we will be in his presence and it will transform us. Like if we could just see what John saw, I, I got thinking about it like this. C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, his book, uh, I think A Great Divorce, he talked about the idea that, you know, there's no ordinary people. Um, and that if you saw yourself, you saw the glorified version of yourself, you would be tempted to bow down and worship. It's that magnificent. You would be that magnificent. That's how incredible you will be just being in the presence of God forever. So what's the big takeaway? If you right now are in a trial or a tribulation dealing with shame, failure, inadequacy, regret, any of those things, you need to know something right now. Glory is in your future. You will stand forever and ever clothed in white in the very presence of God, flawless, spotless, receiving all the validation that your heart longs for. That is your destiny. You won't be thinking about the things you screwed up in the past, the things that you did or the things that were done to you. You will stand forever fully clean, pure, spotless, brilliant, magnificent. You're going to be magnificent in the presence of his magnificence. That's an incredible prospect. What a hopeful transmission. If you just could see what John saw, you'd stop chasing Facebook likes. You'd stop thinking that the answer to all your problems is a a promotion at the company. You'd stop thinking that if I could just conquer this thing or if I could just get that skill or if I could just get that girl, then I'll feel better about myself. But the truth is the presence and the power and the glory of God is that which ultimately you are made for. And that's your destiny. If you belong to the Lamb, Glory is in your future. One final thing. Let's take a look at it and then I'm going to pray. It tells us that they're the before the throne. They serve forever and ever. Then look in verse 16. Here's the promise. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. What's a shepherd? One who watches over. One who protects and guides and provides. He will lead them to springs of living water. Oh, just, just picture that refreshment. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Think about that. It's speaking to our most fundamental needs. 
Like some of you are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Anybody familiar with this? Maslow, back in the 40s, he, he posited that there are just these essential needs that drive every human being, that our primary needs are, are physiological. We need food and warmth and rest. And then we need safety. That's the next most important thing, to be safe. And then after that comes a desire to belong, part of a family, part of something bigger. And then after that has this idea where we need esteem, we need glory, we need prestige, feeling of accomplishment. And then to top it off, there's this idea of, of fitting in, of self-actualization and potential and having a place and, 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 a, and something to produce. And the picture that we get here in Revelation is this picture that all of those needs that drive all of us are forever and fully satisfied. This is the great picture we see. If you could see what John saw, you'd know that satisfaction is your destiny. Here, here's the big idea. That those who belong to the Lamb, according to Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation 21, those who belong to the Lamb are forever and fully satisfied in every single way imaginable. Your, let's go back. Your, your, needs, your needs are satisfied, your physiological needs. He's a shepherd who, who takes you to streams of living water. You'll never hunger or thirst again. He, your safety needs, the sun won't scorch you, it says. You will belong to a, a great tribe, a great family, a great nation. You, you will be in his glory and you will have purpose in the presence of God. This is the great promise we see in, in, the, in, the, in the book of Revelation. This is the hopeful transmission that I want you to get. This is your destiny. Lack is not your destiny. Loss is not your destiny. Fear is not your destiny. Hunger is not, if you belong to the Lamb, hunger is not your destiny. Thirst, not your destiny. No regrets, no wounds, no pain, no terror, no anxiety, just satisfaction forevermore. The Bible says that at the right hand of God is pleasure forevermore. And this is your destiny. What a hopeful message. I, I know I needed that this week. I know I needed it just with the things going on in the world, things going on in relationships. I needed that reminder. Even as we read, are reading through Revelation and we come through chapter 6 and we're going to get into some real rough stuff in chapter 8 and 9. It's going, to be, it's going to be wild for a bit, but you need to have this insight at all times. What if you got the message that in the end it's all going to be all right? If you belong to Jesus, it's all going to be okay. Breathe. Take a breath, breathe deep, relax. It's all going to be okay. If you belong to Jesus, it's all going to be okay. You're going to be satisfied forever. You're going to be glorified forever. Stop striving. You're going to be accepted forever. You don't need to feel lonely. You're part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of a family, even, even if you're alone today. You are saved and secure. You don't need to be afraid. You're sealed. Breathe, anchor your hope, and set your sight on this vision. If you got this message, I, I think, you know, today, later today, if you got that message, you know, if I received it, you know what I would do? I would save it, and I would probably listen to it on a daily basis. I'd probably just every day, like I pray the Lord's Prayer, I'd probably, I'd probably play this message and just remind myself, yeah, it's all going to be okay. I don't know what today's going to hold, but I know in the end it's all going to be all right. Man, we lose sight of that, don't we? I think this is why it says in the scripture, Paul said, you know, we don't lose heart. And here's why. Though outwardly we're wasting away, 
Outwardly, we're going through trials and tribulations of every kind, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light, momentary troubles are achieving. Now, light and momentary, are pandemics light and momentary in comparison to eternity? Yeah. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes. That, that takes some doing, you know. It takes some intentionality. This past week, I, I went up and visited my grandmother. And it had been 10 years. I, I didn't know this. It was a few days removed when I was there. But it had been 10 years since my grandfather passed away. And I, I went and visited my grandmother and hung out in, in the house where my grandfather used to live. They still have that house. And um, went and went through some of my grandfather's stuff and hung out in his garage. And it's something about being in his space just made me feel close to him. And it was very nostalgic. It made me miss him something awful. And I, after hanging out in his garage and stealing some of his stuff, I, uh, I went back up and I hung out with my grandmother a little longer. And as we were sitting there, I was just saying, hey, man, I miss Grampy. I really do. And Graham, I, I, know, I know you must miss him, you know, sitting and being in this house and just knowing about his memory all the time. You know, it's easy for me to go on and go about my business, but you got to feel it all the time. And, you know, we just sat there and we're sad a little bit for a minute, looking back and feeling the weight of our loss about someone that just can't be replaced. And then in the moment, I just was reminded of this text, this, this, this light momentary affliction. And I just said, you know what, Graham, I, I just feel like I need to say, I think that there'll come a day where we look back and we realize this was light, this was light. This was momentary and it feels heavy right now. It feels long right now. 10 years feels like a long time. But in the grand scheme of eternity, with what we have before us, it's going to be light. It's going to have been momentary. So we can't lose heart and we cannot focus on what's behind us. We've got to focus on what's ahead because what is ahead is eternal and what is behind us is temporary and what is ahead is greater. What is ahead, there's more that lies ahead of us than, the, than what is behind us, that the best really is yet to come. You know why? Because we belong to Jesus, because we've been bought by his blood and that the same power that raised him from the dead will raise us too and we will be reconciled, we will be restored, we will be reunited and we will live forever and ever supplied and satisfied by the shepherd himself. That's our hope today. I hope today you're encouraged. I hope today you put your faith in Jesus. And I hope today that Jesus himself would bring hope to you, knowing if you could just see what is yours in the future, you would have that hope filled. Know, know that you have a living hope today. Let me ask you a couple questions and I'm gonna pray. Here's, here's three apocalyptic questions for us this week. Number one is this, are you sealed? Are you saved? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus, the lamb, and received his salvation? Here's the hard thing, and I want to say for some of you, because I think there's some people maybe watching today or maybe one of the locations. If you belong to the lamb, what lies ahead of you is incredible and it's all going to be okay. But can I say to you in love that if you don't belong to the lamb and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, this hope does not belong to you? that it's only by the blood of the lamb that we will be in heaven. It's only by the blood of the lamb that we will be restored. It's only by the blood of the lamb. Those who have washed themselves in the blood of the lamb. So let me just ask you, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered to King Jesus and said, hey, I need saving. I need to be sealed. 
I need protection from these tribulations. I need redemption. I need forgiveness. I would encourage you just even right now, just pray out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need saving. I know I'm a sinner. I know left to myself that, that I'm hopeless and that I cannot absolutely, cannot, you know, redeem and restore myself. I need salvation. I would ask you to just reach out and pray that prayer. Number two, where is your focus? Where is your hope? Have you fixed your eyes on the troubles of today or have you fixed your eyes on the hope of what is to come through Jesus? Where's your focus? Are you seeing Terminator or are you seeing glory? Are you seeing like the walking dead is your future? Or are you seeing a great multitude that no one could count alive forevermore? Where's your focus? Number three, how can you keep this hope in front of you? How can I replay this message? How can we put it on repeat? How can we replay this message of hope and downplay that which would rob it? That's my challenge for you this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for hope. Thank you that we have a living hope in Jesus. It's not a hope in hope. It's not well-wishing. It's not just hoping things work out, but we have fastened our hope to the lamb on the throne who gave himself up for us all. And we just receive that encouragement that comes. Lord, we thank you that when we have hope, we have power to endure. That though for these moments we may have trials and troubles of all kinds, Lord, we know that they are momentary and light in comparison to what we have before us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this message. Thank you for this glorious, hopeful transmission. Thank you that we have been sealed and delivered by you, Jesus. We rejoice. God, I pray your hope over everybody at King's Church and anybody listening today. Would you fill them with hope, optimism, clarity, and purpose? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.